0: Hey, I'm Kamel Nanjiani.
1: Hi, I'm Emily V. Gordon. And wow, you're getting a bonus.
0: This is a bonus episode of Staying In with Emily and Kamel. You guys have
1: been good, so you get a bonus. Uh,
0: this bonus episode is an interview with our friend David Chang, who is a chef and restaurateur.
1: Restaurateur.
0: Also an tour. he has a show on Netflix called uh, Ugly Delicious, which is one of my favorite shows. Mm. I cry watching this not show. Not
1: that he's not, but what makes an art tour?
0: I mean, okay. I don't. Let's keep moving. <laughs> um, someone who does things
1: differently goods. does things good. <laughs>
0: does things good. He's an talk because he does things good.
1: Um, yeah, we recorded an interview with him, and we it was we kind of ended up chatting for a while. I will say that um, he you'll hear on the episode he's on the phone trying to grab Wi-Fi where he can to talk to us. So the quality, don't yell at us about the quality. We did our best.
0: And I will tell you that the first three minutes the quality isn't great, and then the quality improves.
1: Yes, but it's not, I don't think it'll be so bad that it'll make you want to tear your eyes out and throw them at a bus. But perhaps, um, yeah, we couldn't have them in studio, turns tear out. Tear
0: your eyes out and throw them at a bus. <laughs> wow. I don't think I've ever been that upset.
1: Oh, I get that upset on a How on are you going to see
0: the bus if you've torn your eyes out? Is it a stationary it's a sto- bus? It's
1: a stopped bus. It's not a moving not bus. Not
0: a bus stop. It's at a bus <laughs> stop, maybe.
1: You've gotta hurry before all the customers get you on.
0: gotta you gotta rip your eyes off fast
1: I don't think I could rip my eyes out that quickly okay mm-hmm. let's get back
0: in. all right this. oh sorry the bus is gone <laughs>
1: um it's a lovely it's a lovely conversation with a lovely man who is very passionate about the restaurant industry obviously and very passionate about food so we wanted to talk to him about that in this new day and age that we, we wanted in. to
0: yeah we wanted to hear about where the restaurant industry stands in this new day and age as you just said and we wanted to get some <laughs> cooking tips from him like how how do we take care of ourselves, how do we do a good job cooking when now all of us are cooking a lot more than we, uh, perhaps not all of us, but some of us are cooking more than we're used to? So,
1: with less ingredients at times, yep,
0: less ingredients. At Enjoy
1: times. this conversation with David Chang.
0: Hey, Dave Chang, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing
2: good. I'm doing good as good as it can be. It's been a pretty uh, brutal day too, a brutal week or so but uh, I'm hanging in there. And
1: if you what what uh, where in the world are you located currently?
2: Um, I am not in New York. I'm staying at a friend's place and I have like six family members here that are stuck because they can't fly. Oh
1: my goodness
2: and I have uh, uh, there is literally no roof and uh, I asked a friend to help out and we're literally all here. But the Wi-Fi there is terrible, so I'm calling you outside a liquor store in the car. <laughs>
1: you know, the way that most of us are these days.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. You're, you're on hacking, your cell I'm phone. I'm hacking into the Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. I'm calling my cell phone from a Wi-Fi uh, near, near a liquor store that I've, I've, I've hacked into.
1: These are essential <laughs> services. This is what they meant when they said essential services.
0: Literally. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I thought of, we thought of having you on the podcast because you were so vocal tweeting about people in the service industry who are going to be so hit hit so hard by this. Obviously there are so many people that are going to suffer, but I feel like that, that sort of subset of people, it's going to be very, very difficult for them apart from all the the actual sickness. This is one of the big fallouts of this thing.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I've been keeping past of COVID-19 for a while because I have friends in the industry in Asia and obviously tracking and how it's decimated their industries and their restaurants and ways of life and I don't know if it was a disconnect but I knew it was going to come here but like no matter what like I still wasn't as prepared as I hoped to be and you know I'm still processing why I wasn't like being louder about it because I I guess I was afraid people were going to be
1: like you know Chicken Little a little bit, but that's what Camille's new nickname um, is, in fact. That's what
0: I call myself. I've been calling myself Chicken Little.
1: <laughs> and like I was really
2: scared, but I I, I didn't want to cause or induce it. So um I, I I knew what was gonna happen so, and then it did happen. And um no one wants to hear the hyperbolic sort of tone of this will be the doom of your business. But it really is here. And, um, you know, whether people realize it or not, restaurants are a high cash flow business. So you need money constantly in your doors in order to pay, you know, your employees and you have low margins. And it's just set up where if you're not open, you are going to hemorrhage money. And, um, and, and it's not only that there's been some great articles written about, uh, the sort of chain reaction. If the restaurants flow from quick service restaurants to small mom and pop restaurants and everything in between, the, the the economy is going to be shut down. Because think about the people that do the laundry, mm-hmm. the cleaning services, the trash, the fishmonger, the butcher, the farmers, the, the people that make place. It's like it's an entire ecosystem that surrounds the actual restaurants. and. It's not just employees and hourly employees and documented and undocumented workers that lose their jobs and benefits. And it's it, literally everybody. And I was like, holy shit, if this happened, I mean, I, I'm not an economist, but I just don't see how this works. And it was pretty clear to me that no, there was no unified voice and there's no solidarity because, you know, we're a band of independent restaurant operators whether you have one restaurant or several like we do um you just don't have the cash flow to continue to pay people um we just don't and as much as i would love to which i just people think i'm way richer than i actually am it's all my money was in the restaurant so you know it's it's a it's a it's a crappy situation and restaurants are hard to get loans even in good times You know, I don't know if people realize that. A lot of chefs have to personally guarantee loans or get investors to open up a restaurant because no bank is going to give a restaurant a loan um, because it's a bad investment and is considered by the economy as a quote-unquote non-essential business. Hmm. And I was just really scared because I was like, oh, I think what's going to happen is everyone's going to get hurt, but the people that have representation and huge balance sheets and are you know, seen by the world as important businesses like banks and hotels and airlines and cruise ships, they're going to get paid first because, you know, they're they're, they're well-oiled machine, particularly in the lobbyist sector and whatnot. And there's no organization on our end, Even though there's a lot of solidarity, we don't have the, the mechanic to sort of mobilize our opinions in, 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 in a time of need. So I was really scared that... <clears throat> Help with come that wasn't going to come. To the
3: restaurant. yeah, and that's
1: it. There's no lobbyists for restaurants. That's not like a. That's not a thing.
3: I mean, I, I, there's a national restaurant association, but like, I think they their their interests aren't always aligned with independent operators. And you know, that's that's it. It's like most restaurants that you go to, if they're not a chain restaurant, are literally owned by you know someone that is in business for themselves or the, you know, like there's no coalition, you know? And so th- there is no lobbyists. And I know that chefs were scrambling to figure out how to get lobbyists. And when I heard a number was being th- thrown around to get a lobbyist was 300 half a million bucks. Ugh. I was just so mad. I was like, how could some human being not try to do this pro bono is beyond me.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's, um, it's, uh, the restaurant, as someone who obviously goes to restaurants all the time, loves restaurant world, you know, food is such a way too important a part of my life. I'd never actually thought about the restaurant industry and how it sort of sustains itself until just now. I mean, I obviously knew, you know. Uh, since I was a little kid, I'd go to a favorite restaurant and if there people weren't there, I would get like sad. I'd be like, Oh, this place isn't going to last. But I haven't thought about, it's the first time that I've thought about like the entire restaurant industry as a whole, where it seems like, as you were saying, big restaurants, small restaurants, everybody, everybody's in a tough situation right now.
3: Yeah. and, And it's, uh, it's such a weird thing to think about, um, because it's never happened before. It's hard to contemplate. And, um, You know, people need to understand that we're as vital to this economy as the banks and insurance companies in 2008 that got saved by the government. And, you know, that was the hashtag too big to fail. And a lot of people rightfully mad at these banks and institutions because they got us into this mess on the other end of the spectrum we didn't restaurants didn't do anything to get us into this mess you this didn't do shit of
1: yeah you guys didn't do shit everything yeah. you guys are blameless and yet also are like we, everybody desperately misses you, desperately needs you. Yeah,
0: we were watching, we started watching the new season of your show, Ugly Delicious. By the way, people at home, if you haven't seen Ugly Delicious on Netflix, it's an amazing show. But I will
1: say, when we started watching... <laughs>
0: so we watching your fried rice episode, which is the first episode. And
1: I got so, like, I got this curious mix of, like, anger and sadness. And, like, it was like seeing an ex-boyfriend on screen, just watching people sitting around a table enjoying food at a restaurant.
0: <laughs> Emily started bawling. Like it was that first scene of, you know, Alan Yang is their mutual friend of ours and and uh, uh, food critics and and uh, chefs and stuff and you. And Emily, I looked over and, you know, your show makes me cry. I, I told you this before. I've cried at your show before, but I looked over to the right. We're a few minutes into the episode and Emily is bawling.
1: I'm in a fetal position just crying. And I, it, it just hit me quite hard. I was like, that is something i think all of us maybe took for granted is is how important just sitting down to eat with friends in a in a public place how important that has been to all of us no matter the amount of money you have if you're like going to a a, a denny's if you're going to one of your like it doesn't matter like where you are like that's something that I didn't realize how much I was going to miss. Uh, and it's only been a week and a half. <laughs> it's like barely been any time. Uh, so it was hard. I, we had to turn that episode off, unfortunately. I, I'll, I'm i going to get well, back into I, it.
0: I finished watching it. Okay, um, and I, I love that episode because it sort of gets to what your show is, obviously. You know, I love food shows, cooking shows. But your show really captures sort of the social aspect of food and the cultural aspect of food. So that episode's mm-hmm. about fried rice. And you guys really talk about how... Um, racism against Asian people sort of fits into Americans' enjoyment of uh, Chinese food, and many, many episodes are sort of like that. The fried chicken episode from last season was also mm-hmm. really good. Um, that's what I love about the show. I've never seen a show like that that's really about uh, the how cultural food, parts of it, yeah. yeah, and how food brings us together.
3: And it because we take it for granted, but it's about community. It, it has always been about community, and telling stories over food is one of the sort of like I think that's that's like part of humanity. And, you know, and I I mean, for like everyone else, I've been critical of Trump because, you know, it is important what you eat. And this has a direct correlation to what the stimulus package is or the lack of support from a federal government's end because, you know, Trump eats fast food and he doesn't want to eat food from, say, Ethiopia or, you know, Mexico or countries that he just you know, is, you know, afraid of trying new things. So if he doesn't care about that, he doesn't care about the people there. Why would he care about uh, a restaurant, you know, that's trying to make some food from a region of the world that he doesn't care about? Why would he want to save this restaurant? And that's what is so frustrating.
0: And, you know, I think I honestly think you guys are artists and and unique in the way that the art you make, the food you make literally becomes part of the person. Like you literally consume that art. It becomes a part of you. There's no other artist that really has that. Uh, I mean, you
1: can't, but you'll get kicked out of yeah. the museum.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I tried to eat a Renoir once. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Uh, but but basically that it really biologically becomes part of you.
1: Do you have any suggestions? We, uh, one thing that I will do now, cause I don't know if I have, I've been suggesting to people personally, but I'll do now to buy a gift certificate to their favorite restaurant. Now, if that restaurant is not open for takeout, uh, just a show a way of showing support for that restaurant. Do you have any other thoughts on what people can do to support their favorite local restaurants?
3: Yeah. I, you know, there, there are a multitude of things you can do. Gift certificates is one, uh, I would say almost every restaurant that I know has a GoFundMe page to support the employees that are that is true. Uh, currently out of work. Um, but but there is one suggestion that I think you can do that won't actually cost money right now, as, as important that is, as it is to support our the employees and the hourly employees. I think it's to make sure that you call your congressmen and your senators to ensure that restaurants, small businesses, and people that don't have the voice get heard and you know you may not think that matters again but your local restaurant that you love so much is needs to know that the government is looking out for them so call the capital hotline the switchboard it's 202-224-3121 and just tell them that they have to support this restaurant because the stimulus package is going to happen i still don't know what's actually in it but They have to follow through because if we don't take care of these hourly employees in this time of COVID-19, I'm really scared about America and the world over because we don't want people to die. We don't want people to feel uh, scared. And um, these are the people that make up. Are restaurants that make food for everybody. So it's it's wildly important.
0: Yeah, we checked our there's a little diner around the corner from us, very very small diner that we would eat at two or three times a week mm-hmm. and uh they had a GoFundMe page. Emily sort of contacted them and was like, "Hey, what's going on with you guys?" They said we have a GoFundMe page, so we donated and then um we got food from a restaurant you know very well, Jitlada. Yeah, we called in, went in. It was so heartbreaking to go there. You know, you're, I'm getting emotional. Going to Jitlada, the experience of it, part of it is like...
1: You're going to wait.
0: I hope there's a table. <laughs> I hope, you know, it's, it's going to be like packed. We went, it was empty. The door was locked. They let... Just one person and I went and got food for the week. We spent we, 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 we basically spent
1: a lot of money just so we could eat because just, we were missing it so much.
0: Because we had just sort of cooked for ourselves for two weeks and just been eating the same exact thing. And then getting this food felt like it felt like, like a miracle.
3: And she's the best. Um, that restaurant. And, you know, that's that's exactly that. Like, you know, Jitlada is an institution and we're going to lose some of our favorite places and and not just lose like people need to be ready that maybe your favorite restaurant or restaurants may not open up again. And there's a real reality. Like that's a, a more probable outcome. I don't know Mm. how many restaurants are going to survive and people are throwing numbers around 75%. I actually think it might be 90% of all restaurants. If we don't get adequate aid, um, will never reopen their doors because it's just impossible and i don't want to live in a los angeles without a jitlada
1: nope me either
0: yeah we uh when we went over to this diner bias we were we thought that they might be open for takeout and they were fully closed and at the start i was like this may this place may never open again this might not the last time we ate there might have been the last time we ate then we didn't even know it
1: I think we all take for granted that like, we want stuff now, we want it convenient, we want it, we want all that stuff. And I think for too long, we've kind of not, as a group, we have not been thinking about all the people that have Busted their asses to give us the food that we like. So and, this you know, is a good wake-up call for that. A terrible way to do it, but a good wake up call for that. We've
0: had, we've all had, I would say, you know, if you can do it, um, try and support your local restaurants. At the very least, you can call your congressman. We've all had so many amazing memories at restaurants. You've fallen in love, you've proposed to people, you've broken up all Andes. Sorts of we things. fell
1: in love at Andes a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was a restaurant in Chicago, <laughs> in Chicago called Andes that was like Persian food. And that was our first day and Mm -hmm. we go by there every time we go back to chicago there's so much so much of so many great memories associated with so many restaurants i mean it's it's hard to fathom man
3: it's uh it's so tough to think about but um you know there are restaurants that are doing delivery and that's a whole nother debate like restaurateurs and chefs and owners have been presented a real moral dilemma to close your doors um and not get income. So you might like not be able to help out your employees or remain open to do delivery, but expose workers to potential, you know, COVID-19. And that's, it's a really tough dilemma. And I I don't blame anyone for doing any decision because it's not a good decision either way, but you have to do what you have to do. And if you do order delivery, I encourage people to tip very well because they're doing, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. tip like hell. And, you know, don't, do your best not to order from delivery sites. Call the restaurant up because delivery sites are taking 30% of the top line revenue of a restaurant. And I, I just find that to be not right, especially in this time right now. So um, call the restaurants if you can. And I know that a lot of restaurants are doing delivery. The lines are busy. But
1: And I unfortunately, and I, I don't have the stuff in front of me, but I know one of the delivery services was going to waive those fees for the restaurants. I think We'll look it up Yeah, we'll look it up I Um, I don't have enough information Alright,
0: let's take a quick break here We'll be right back
1: There's a lot happening these days But I have just the thing To get you up to speed on what matters Without taking too much of your time The 7 from the Washington Post Is a podcast that gives you The 7 most important and interesting stories And we always try to save room For something fun You get it all in about 7 minutes or less I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now.
0: What we did, so you know, obviously food is a big, we we go on dates, all this stuff. So what we did last week was we cooked at home, we got dressed up, and we sat down and we had like date night at home. Um, And for us, it was a little bit challenging because neither of us are like great cooks. No,
1: absolutely not.
0: Not great chefs. This is the most we've cooked in a long time. So we wanted to talk to you and see, you know, there are a lot of people who are sort of dealing with limited ingredients at home right now, or they're intimidated by cooking. Um, Do you sort of have any general tips for people how to sort of demystify the process a little bit how to reuse ingredients?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically what I've been focusing on for a while now as a home cook. Cause I've recently never cooked at home until the birth of my son. So I've been cooking a lot at home and I've discovered all these new tricks. Um, but first things first, it's hard to get ingredients right now. Yes. It, it really is. Um, so you got to make do And, and I think <clears throat> it makes you really appreciate what you had. And I, and I want people to remember that when we come out of this and we will to, to, to appreciate when things are going to be good again. And and when you go out to dinner or make stuff at home and right now I don't have eggs at home because I decided to blow them out for a big custard that I made, a savory custard that I made for my family for breakfast. And I'm feeding six adults and one baby. So like it makes me like sort of freak out about trying to get enough food. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a weird thing to say in 2020. um, But I think it depends on what you have in your fridge, but I think most people are have pasta, so that's an important thing. I think every fridge you should try to have some type of cheese or parmesan, and because like even if it's not like a fancy parmesan, it's still going to be good enough. Making cacio e pepe is one of the easiest dishes in the world; it really is. Um, And there's tons of recipes, so I don't even have to tell you what the recipe is. But that was like a go-to staple in terms of a chicken. I think. Stretching something out, I always try to make chicken soup.
1: Yeah, and
3: it's pretty easy, in my opinion. I, I know I'm saying it's pretty easy, but trust me, I, I think it is because you put a chicken in a pot, you cover it with water, and you boil the hell out of it. <laughs> and then you add some salt to taste, and you can add some celery, onions, garlic if you wanted to make it more of a traditional chicken soup. Or you can add shiitake mushrooms and and noodles and soy sauce if you wanted to make it a little bit more Asian. And the other thing that I've been doing is using a lot of frozen foods, a lot of frozen vegetables, and uh, and a microwave. I cook with a microwave a lot. Oh, this wow. makes me so
1: happy. My mom would be, like, so excited. She would make scrambled eggs in the microwave, which I don't know that I would recommend.
3: <laughs> you can actually make a pretty nice custard in a microwave. If you, re- if you reduce the power of a microwave to 30% and keep it covered, You can actually make beautiful eggs.
1: Okay. All right. I hear you. I I
0: don't think your mom was reducing. Yeah, the way
1: that my mom was doing it was not turning out that way. (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, we've been like, so we've been cooking. You commented on this. I was so excited when you commented on this. I basically made like biryani, which is my favorite dish, but I made it with cauliflower rice because we didn't have rice. And also, you know, we were, we just have like, um... I'm just trying to find healthy versions of the things I love. Um, And obviously, some people got upset at me for that. Uh, But I also, I'm also like, we have like, I have like a history of uh, like high cholesterol and high blood pressure in my family. So I'm trying to figure out, I have both those things, even though I watch what I eat, I exercise every day. Your body's really jacked. I, I just, I'm trying to find versions of the food I love that I grew up with that I can sort of eat without you know, um, having that sort of health thing be an issue. And then I'd put jalapeno peppers in there because that's what we had. And someone was like, oh, you didn't use like real chilies? I'm like, it's hard to get ingredients right now.
1: We had cauliflower rice and we had jalapenos. So there you go.
3: And that's that's the best (laughs) advice you can give to your listeners. Exactly what you did. Screw the recipe. Make it delicious. You know, like that's all that matters. And that photo looked amazing. I bet you it was delicious. It really was. Yeah, and who cares if it's not authentic? We're in an epidemic. I mean, I made I made a tomato sauce the other day. I put it on Instagram, and I have Barilla pasta, which isn't like a fancy pasta. And I got a bunch of comments like, "Oh, Barilla pasta," and I was like, "It's all they had at the market." <laughs> Screw you, right? And I was like, "Come on!" And then I added chicken bouillon to my tomato sauce. People were like, in hot ha- They were aghast at like the that I would like defile Italian cuisine. I was like. I don't have Parmesan. This is all I have to add flavor to this. My goal, number one goal, and everyone's goal is exactly what you did. Have a memory of something you want and do your best to make it as delicious as possible and screw the rule book. And,
1: and it'd be cool if this like ushered in a new like trend when this is all over, if this ushered in a new trend of, of food that's like all stuff that was born out of necessity from this. I think it'd be really cool.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But that's actually what food has been to begin with. Almost all food that's delicious was born out of necessity.
0: Yeah, and honestly, that thing I made was really, really good. I think about it. I've been thinking about it since then. It was, it was really, really good. You know, it, you bring up an interesting point. I used to be different. Like when I was, when I was a kid, I ate a lot of Pakistani food. When I first moved to America, for me, anyone, anyone that tried to sort of change that food was really upsetting to me. Right. Um, I, I didn't like that. I was like, it has to be authentic. I didn't like fusion food. I didn't like people making substitutions. I wanted it to be exactly how it was. But then over time, I've learned, obviously, food, there's a lot of creativity to it. And if people want to take different influences, put them together, as long as it tastes good, that's what matter- matters. And it's and it's honestly kind of beautiful. You're creating a new thing out of these older things.
3: That's exactly. And, and you guys did the beautiful Apple show and and and, and And it literally is like the same thing. Like my mom came to America and she moved to Virginia in like 1969. God, I don't even know how she survived and she needed to make Korean food and there's no Asian supermarkets. So she improvised. You do the best you can with what you got. And that's just the way it's gotta be. And authenticity is important to preserve culture and, and tradition. But given the circumstances, Making delicious food in this moment is more important than getting it perfect and right. That's
1: so yeah.
0: true. So I thought of this while watching your episode about uh, uh you were t- uh, about okay. fried food you were talking about American Chinese food. Do you know th- have you ever had Pakistani Chinese food or Indian Chinese food?
3: I have. I you know unfortunately in the last season this season of Ugly Delicious we cut out a whole like segment of Indian Chinese food because it's amazing. It's I love so it.
1: good.
0: Yeah, and that's
1: what you know of
0: That's what I know and that it's, was,
1: And it's different than um, what American Chinese food It's yeah. a different beast You know what entirely. we called
0: it? We called it Chinese food <laughs> Just like you guys <laughs> called this Chinese food But it was this? always like sweet and sour Something was a big staple, Like beef with green chilies Chicken big, 65? <laughs> no, we didn't have that It was chicken corn soup Everybody got chicken corn soup
3: You know what was interesting? And I, I went to one of these kitchens And it's like, I can't remember the name It was one of the most famous Chinese restaurants in Mumbai and I went to see what the staff was eating because, like, staff meal and employees is always to me like the best meal in a restaurant that the paying customer never gets to eat. Mm-hmm. And I saw them making like northern Indian food, like on the border of China, like that's where a lot of the cooks were from, um, or closer to China, I think. And they were, um, oh no, no, I'm not China, Vietnam uh, and Southeast Asia. They were making like their Indian food from that region with Chinese ingredients.
1: That's so cool. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's exciting. I'm going to pitch you the idea for the show I've had for a long time, which is I want to do a travel <laughs> cooking show where because you sort of see like the influence of food as you go from like, you know, uh far east to like India, Pakistan, even over to Africa, then how sort of the like a uh,
1: paratha type. Yeah, sort like
0: paratha is is in so many different cultures. Like we have samosas and then in Africa, parts of Africa, they have sambusas, which is a very similar thing. So I want to trace the history of how these spices sort of went around and how it influenced all the food like you could see like thai food is sort of like has some some elements in common with chinese food some elements in common with indian food so i want to do a show at some point where i just travel around tracing the whole history of the spice trade
3: that would be a beautiful show and i I think about it all the time and um there are a lot of amazing stories that you know, I think have only been told in like academic settings. And I think TV would be a great place for you to tell these stories. I'd be
0: excited to see that. I
1: will also say he pitches to me on our first date at Andy's. Literally, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. We talked about this on our I first date. I have problems
0: with follow-through, <laughs> but I will get to it. Um, well, um, well, thanks so much for talking to us, man. This is really, really helpful. And your advice about cooking at home, I, it's, it's so good. It's like whatever ing- ingredients you have try and make something good. Because I, I found, like, for me, I'm not a great cook at all. I used to cook a lot. I used to cook Pakistani food all the time. And I didn't really measure stuff. I would sort of go by taste and things like that. And sometimes it would be great. Sometimes it wasn't as great. But I think that's part of the excitement for me. You're of really making- good
1: at being creative with cooking, which I not everybody is, for sure.
0: I would put in like new different things. I was like, oh, I like this taste. I like this taste. Let's just see how it goes together. And sometimes it would be a disaster. And sometimes you'd find something that was awesome. You know, like I just made French toast. Um, I don't know how you feel about rose water. Where do you stand? I, I think mm mm-hmm with french toast i think that would be delicious with the sweetness a little
3: bit of cinnamon
1: What's with, a little cardamom a little rose water yeah yes. it i put that's in brilliant.
0: yeah a little bit of cardamom a little bit of rose water and french toast cuz those are like things that you know pakistani desserts use and it's, it's a flavor yeah. i love that i never get to taste but
3: why would, but that's the thing why would that be bad that sounds amazing it was very good
0: it was delicious <laughs> it was very good so so i that's great advice just try and make something delicious from what you have
1: get creative with what you have call your congressman uh a person and let them know to and, save the restaurant industry
0: and tip like hell
1: and tip like hell thank you that's it <laughs> thank you so much for talking to us and uh enjoy your time with your family which you're getting a lot of
3: <laughs> a lot um, a lot be safe guys yeah, same all right to you. you
0: too bye-bye